0: You're listening to Randall Wallace Presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American history podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com.
1: Salvador Allende's death was one of Chile's great mysteries, and it's finally been solved. His daughter announced the results of the investigation into what happened 38 years ago. The conclusion of the investigation today is what our family has always believed, that President Allende took his own life rather than be humiliated and forced to live not as he chose. Our family is calm with the result. Allende was the world's first democratically elected Marxist. On September 11, 1973, his dead body was pulled out from the National Palace during a U.S.-backed military coup that helped define the Cold War. With bombs raining down on the palace, witnesses claimed that Allende shot himself with an AK-47 he'd received from Fidel Castro. But years of military rule only fueled suspicions that he had been executed. At the time of his death, press reports mentioned that Allende's body had 36 bullet holes. Earlier this year, the corpse of the South American socialist icon was exhumed to find the cause of death. The results of the autopsy confirmed what had already been known.
2: No, there's no evidence of involvement of a third
1: party. Just like many other Latin American countries. Chile is still working to shed light on what happened during the military dictatorship in the 1970s. While Tuesday results came as no surprise, the closure is likely to put an end to a debate that has been going on for a very long time. Teresa Bo, Al Jazeera.
3: In the 1960s, Chile was a democratic nation, despite many of their neighbors being under dictatorships in the mid-20th century. But the Americans became heavily involved in politics in Latin America since the Cuban Revolution. And through projects like the Alliance for Progress, millions of dollars were sent out to their allies like Betancourt in Venezuela. Plus the CIA also helped start coups in countries like Bolivia and Brazil. And in Chile, in 1964, they sent money to help Montalva win an election against Salvador Allende, a socialist. However, in Chile, no presidents can serve two terms. So in 1970, Montalva was forced to step down. His party, the Christian Democratic Party, was taken over by Radomir Tomić. He, however, came in third during the election losing two former presidents, Georges Alessandri and Salvador Allende. But no candidate won an outright majority, so the National Congress had to pick a leader. The CIA tried to get the National Congress to select George Alessandri, only to have him later resign and bring Montalva into power once again. But the National Congress chose Allende, and he began to implement many socialist reforms. These helped bolster his popularity, but the Americans withdrew aid to Chile and the country suffered through mass inflation. Plus his close connections with socialist leaders like Castro worried many on the right. So, in Parliament, they united to form the Confederation of Democracy and stopped further reforms. And the CIA helped fund opposition to Allende, like the El Mercurio newspaper, which called for him to be overthrown. He also had very little support from the largely right-wing military officers, who lived in a relatively closed-off community. But these officers still had a great deal of political influence. For instance, in 1969, soldiers rose up to demand higher wages as part of the Tecnazo Insurrection. However, the new army commander-in-chief René Schneider promised to keep the military out of politics when Allende was elected. This angered those that believed Allende was poised to install a communist dictatorship, so Schneider was assassinated just a year later. His replacement Carlos Pratt maintained this policy, but still paramilitary groups like Fatherland and Liberty were formed and after a couple of years of rising tensions, Colonel Super took his tank regiment to the presidential palace in June 1973. Although this coup failed, it became apparent that without the support of the military and national police, Allende could not restore order, and the poor economy led to strikes breaking out around the country. The wives of military officers protested outside Pratt's house and he was forced to resign and was replaced by Augustus Pinochet. Then the members of the Confederacy of Democracy voted to ask if ministers and military could put an end to Allende's alleged unconstitutional practices. Allende responded by saying that he had acted constitutionally, said the vote was so in disorder and in early September promised to hold a referendum on his policies. Fearing that the country would become even more left-wing, the head of the navy, Jose Toribio Merino, got support from the newly appointed heads of the Air Force, Gustavo Lee, and police force Cesar Mendoza. And then, with Augustus Pinochet, they launched a coup early in the morning of September 11th. Commandos blockaded the port of Valparaiso while the army and air force took out radio and TV stations. Allende retreated to the presidential palace with members of the military that remained loyal but now he had very little communication with the rest of the country. By 9am, the military declared that they had taken over most of the country and called for Allende to resign. He, however, refused to resign and also refused offers to escape the capital to lead a counter-coup later on. Instead, he waited within the presidential palace as fighting in the capital continued for a few hours and the palace was bombed. It is believed he committed suicide within the palace just before it was captured by the military. With Lende gone, Pinochet, Marino, Mendoza and Lee initially shared power as part of a military government and suspended the constitution and congress and banned opposing political parties. Pinochet as head of the army was made head of this junta and eventually consolidated power and made himself president. And he would go on to arrest tens of thousands of political enemies, many of which were infamously held in the national stadium and killed many political opponents. The American role in the coup is disputed, but it is said that they helped fan the flames beforehand and helped justify the coup by spreading the idea that Allende was planning a Marxist self-coup as part of Plan Zeta. The Americans did, however, maintain close relations with Pinochet, who ruled Chile until 1990.
0: Welcome to Bridging the Political Gap. I'm Randall Wallace. And today's episode centers on one of the most controversial moments in the Nixon years, And that is the coup in Chile that removed Salvador Allende from power. He was the first Marxist, socialist, communist, democratically elected leader of any nation in the world. And, you know, it is almost always one of the central things that people on the left will bring up when they want to attack President Nixon and uh his national security advisor, Henry Kissinger. It is, you know, that he's cast. is every kind of evil way you can think of because president Nixon was opposed to Allende taking power in Chile, even though he'd been elected. Nixon was, there was a desire to keep communism from spreading into South America and on this, these two continents on this side of the, of the globe um, there already, you know, was the Cuban Revolution, and it had, uh, you know, we were at odds with Castro, Fidel Castro, and this was one of his leading lieutenants. They, they, were, they were, Allende really admired Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution. And so you got to re- realize this uh, when you look at, at what the situation was in Chile and how the Nixon administration dealt with it. Now it is true. He was elected by the people and, and there's no way to whitewash that, but you know, my answer to that and and my question to those folks on the far left who bring the way Nixon and Kissinger handled this up is, uh, DM president DM in South Vietnam was elected. And I don't hear the same amount of outrage coming from anyone about a coup that was okayed by John F. Kennedy uh, about DM, that led to DM's assassination. There is no evidence that I am aware of that Nixon okayed the coup that removed uh, A from power. Granted, clearly Nixon wanted uh, never never to take his position as president worked to remove our investment there um, and we're going to hear from president nixon in this time period you know uh, at when he does his interview with david frost he answers questions very direct questions about the situation in chile and he's very clear about that he that he was opposed to communist rule in chile and on the continent in south america This close to us. And we were committed to stopping communism spread around the world. Now, there's another side to this story as well. Uh, When you listen to people talk about Xavier Allende, it is stunning how he is made to look like a hero. And not at all what the reality of the situation was in Chile. Let's take a look.
2: What they were trying to build was a just, equitable democracy that took control of Chile's economy from the United States and its proxies. For the invisible people of Latin America, Chile under Allende became an inspiration. In Washington, President Nixon secretly plotted to destroy the Chilean economy. We're going to make the economy scream said Nixon. In Santiago, General Pinochet, America's man, sent in his British-made bombers against the presidential palace. It was September the 11th, 1973, a date that held an infamy and irony 28 years later. My wife and our children were at the house, and
4: they had a
5: marvelous view of the uh, of these planes uh, winging over and then dipping down and and sending their bombs into the money
2: from inside the palace Allende refused to leave true to his promise not to surrender the government for which the ordinary people of Chile had voted he broadcast this last message then he shot himself
5: trabajadores de mi patria tengo fe En Chile su destino. Sigan ustedes, sabiendo que mucho más temprano que tarde, de nuevo las la grande por donde pase el hombre libre para construir una sociedad mejor. Viva Chile. Viva el pueblo. Vivan los trabajadores.
0: There you get to hear. How he is portrayed in the public, and this is what these left-wing folks who are always bringing Chile up. This is the story they embrace. But there's another story uh, about Salvador Allende, and I, I found a pretty good description of it from a gentleman. He goes on the he's on the internet. Uh, uh, Coach Red Pill is kind of the name. I had to do some editing because the language at times is not the best. But this gentleman lived in Chile for some period of time, and he's going to tell you a story that will, I hope, I r- hope it registers to you who S- Salvador Allende really was, because he's not this hero of the left that you're portrayed as this man who is going to bring socialism and, and you know, uh, that kind of mentality and policy that you hear socialists today, which I'm not a big fan of either way, but this is not Bernie Sanders socialism. This is not uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez socialism. This is hardcore Soviet communism and what has led to the deaths of millions of people around the globe under Stalin and Lenin and Mao Zedong and Pol Pot and the list goes on and on, Ho Chi Minh. So this is what I and a was espousing, he had taken control of a number of uh, government or private sector businesses like the copper mines that the United States were invested in is one of the things. But he, he he was believing in the big government state control, and it had led to massive inflation. And this once prosperous country in South America was now in dire straits with massive inflation, on products and, and you know, the United States, the fact that Richard Nixon pulled investment out of Chile has nothing to do with the disastrous economic consequences of the Allende government that led to his overthrow. And you're going to hear this gentleman tell you a story that is chilling about the desire to take property from people and take control of uh, agriculture in the country of Chile.
4: The Yende government wanted an armed insurrection. The Yende government wanted the popular unity to become the leading edge of the revolution, of the socialist revolution. Because ultimately you have to understand Salvador Yende was a Leninist. And he was a Maoist who believed in total land redistribution. I mean, it was almost like you wanted to impose what became known as Pol Potism, you know. Because Pol Pot, what he did in Cambodia in 1975, that was essentially what Salvador Allende wanted to do in 1973. In August of 1973, the Parliament passed by an absolute majority, almost a unanimity, a resolution asking for the military to step in and overthrow the Allende government. The Parliament of Chile Asked the military to step in because the country was collapsing into chaos. In September 11, 1973, the military obliged. They stepped in. They took over the government. Allende shot himself. And that was that. Now, it's all good and fine and funny, actually, to be talking about this. But I'm going to tell you a story that's not so funny. Okay. You know, Allende was creating a paramilitary force that was basically loyal to the popular unity, but not loyal to the Chilean citizenry. These, this was called the Movimiento Esquirtista Revolucionario, king leftist paramilitary forces. Now, these people, and I'm going to tell you a horrifying story because this is true. These people, they would go to farms, okay, and they would expropriate the land in the name of the people, and they would kill the landowners. Kill the landowners and their families. Now, it's not that I heard this story, that that you know I read it in some book, or or you know, the, the Pinochet government, you know, later would spread this uh, you know propaganda. No. I heard this story from a farmer to whom it almost happened. Now, this farmer he was a classmate's dad. Okay? Now I knew this girl real well. We went to school together. I saw her every goddamn day. And in our senior year, uh, she invited us, us all, you know, like near the end of the year, she invites us all to have like a, a get-together, like a barbecue kind of thing at her um, dad's farm, which was just outside of Santiago. And we went, you know, we took the metro and then a bus, I remember, and got there and great guy, you know, the, our, our, our classmate's dad. And it was a great farm and there was a pool and we had a barbecue. It was great. And then some of us wound up talking to my classmate's dad and the foreman of the farm. Okay, now this was in 1985, right? The Allende government happened between 1970 and 1973, right? So it was relatively recent history. It was only 12 years before. And my classmate's dad told us how one day he woke up and there were trucks and he pointed to the road, the road where the trucks were coming. There were three trucks full of these leftist paramilitary forces armed and they were coming down that road that he pointed to, to the house that he pointed to, where he lived with his family, with my classmate, who was then a five-year-old child. And these leftist paramilitary forces were hellbent on killing him and his family, including my then five-year-old classmate. They were there to expropriate the land in the name of the people and take it over and kill the landowner, kill his family, and establish, you know, part of the new socialist ideal, the socialist utopia. Do you know why he was not killed? Obviously. I mean, I was talking to him in 1985. He survived, right? How did he survive? Because the foreman, who was standing right there and told us the story, it was the foreman and some other workers on the farm who worked for the landowner, my my classmate's dad, they organized themselves and risked life and limb, and shot up the paramilitary and drove him away. See, well, that's what what was happening in 1973 because of Allende, You know. Now, of course, th- this goes to the point: if if the, the my dad, my uh, classmate's dad had been this evil landowner who was just blood, you know, just a bloodsucker, you know, do you think that the foreman would have gone out and defended him? Certainly not. Okay, if he had been this evil bastard, but he wasn't an evil bastard; he was just a regular guy. You know, he worked the farm, he was the owner of it, but you know, he was just worked as hard as anybody else. He was a decent guy. You know? But to the leftist it didn't matter. Or actually it was even worse. Because see, a decent landowner went against their ideology. A decent landowner, a decent capitalist, somebody who pays his workers fairly, and is just a decent guy and does what he's supposed to do as a man, as a moral man, well, those are the people that the leftists targeted. They killed about 500 people during the Allende government. 500 people murdered by forces allied to the Allende regime.
0: Finally, I want you to listen to President Richard Nixon himself talk about what his goals were, what he thought of the Allende government and in Chile, and what things he did. And he's going to make a very simple point at the end of it that I think is, is, is the bottom line. And that is, the people themselves overthrew the Allende government. President Nixon didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, and I think that's, you know, something else that I, because I've actually seen it on Twitter and some uh, of these folks, when they want to argue with you about President Nixon Henry Kissinger and talk about him being a war criminal for what he did, for what had happened in Chile, especially Henry Kissinger, uh, and they'll say things along the lines of Allende, Allende was murdered and, and we had blood on our hands in the United States. But the fact is that Allende committed suicide. And that's not the same situation as we saw in South Vietnam that led us into the war, by the way, where DM was killed in his car. He and his brother were killed in his car trying to get away. Allende was given opportunities to leave Chile, and he refused and then killed himself in the presidential palace. President Nixon is going to talk about the situation and what they faced And you can hear it for yourself, what his policy was and what his thoughts are on Salvador Allende and Chile and the events that took place there in September of 1973.
6: On September the 16th, 1970, after Salvador Allende had won the most votes in the Chilean presidential elections, Henry Kissinger glumly remarked that if the Chilean Congress confirmed Allende as president over the non-Marxist runner-up candidate, his rule could spell the end of democracy in Chile. What Kissinger did not reveal was that on the day before he spoke, Richard Nixon had himself taken action to subvert Chile's democratic processes by ordering the CIA to prevent Allende's accession to power, not even excluding a coup d'etat. Whether or not the subsequent actions of the CIA did by themselves provoke the overthrow of Allende three years later is in dispute. That the CIA did take action is not. The Church Committee reported the following facts. The U.S. collaborated with groups that kidnapped and murdered General René Schneider, a Chilean whose belief in constitutional democracy outweighed his opposition to Allende. Between 1970 and 1973, the CIA spent some $8 million in Chile, supporting the political opposition and establishing a network of those committed to Allende's downfall. And when the coup occurred, the CIA used additional funds to support a public relations effort on behalf of the newly installed right-wing government headed by General Pinochet. The unique thing here, isn't it, is that... Can you you think of any other example of where the United States, in recent United States history, attempted to interrupt the constitutional processes of a democratic government? Government?
5: Well, it depends on what you mean by recent. Uh, What you mean in the last four or five years? No, I can't think of any.
6: What did you have in mind in Chile when you said uh, that you wanted uh, the CIA or you wanted America to make the economy scream? What did you have in mind? Well,
5: uh, Chile, of course, is interested in uh, obtaining uh, loans uh, from international organizations where we have a vote. And I indicated that uh, wherever we had a vote uh, where Chile was involved, that uh, unless there were strong considerations on the other side, that we would vote against them. Uh, I felt that as far as Chile was concerned, since they were expropriating American property, they expropriated. All Yandy did. It took him only uh, three years to expropriate 275 firms. Now, I know that as far as... He hadn't done that on September the 15th. I know. I know, but I knew that was coming. All you had to do was to read his campaign speeches. He said, uh, with Cuba in the uh, Caribbean and with Chile on the southern cone, we, he meant Castro and Allende, will make the revolution in Latin America. Now, we have one country in the uh, Western Hemisphere, Cuba, that is exporting revolution and we didn't want another one
6: But uh, Chile doing it. But there's two things there, Surely One is that Cuba, which everybody would say is communist in the traditional sense of the word, Cuba has been totally unsuccessful in it, its uh, export of uh, revolution or anything else since 1958. And Allende uh, just didn't turn out that way. He turned out to be a Marxist. He worked within the system for the three years. He never attempted to bring, introduce political repression. That only came later. Uh, he continued to work within the system to the extent where well, it was predicted he would lose the next election. Well, as a
5: matter of fact, let's well understand, uh, Allende played it very cleverly. Uh, he, 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 he played it as a Chilean would rather than as a Cuban would, the Chileans being, uh, uh, frankly, uh, less volatile than the Cubans, I would say. Uh, but on the other hand, there wasn't any question about his turning uh, all the uh, screws that he possibly could uh, in the direction of making Chile in a Marxist state. There wasn't any question but that he was cooperating with Castro. There wasn't any question that Chile was being used by some of Castro's agents as a base to export terrorism to Argentina, uh, to Bolivia, to Brazil.
1: But we he never, knew all of that. but he never And also, to, now, as
5: far as repression is concerned, after all, he did that in a subtle way but we would call it we would have called it depression uh, repression if it had been done in vietnam we would have called it repression if it had been done among any one of our friendly countries today uh, he, for example the government owned uh, television station the only program that they had uh, was simply marxist uh, uh, philosophy uh, as far as government advertising was concerned the way he squeezed the press in addition to uh, Uh, shutting down the UP office for UPI office for a time because he didn't like one of their stories and shutting down El Mercurio, the biggest paper, uh, first ordering it for a week and then because of an outcry cutting it down to a day because he didn't
6: like some of their stories. But when you look at the closing of the UPI office, for instance, and things like that, all of those things are trivial compared with what followed Allende. I mean, Allende, with the... All of that list looks like a saint compared with the repression of Pinochet. I I am not here to defend and will not
5: defend repression by uh, any government, uh, be it a a friend of the United States or one that is opposed to the United States. But in terms of national security, in terms of our own self-interest, the right-wing dictatorship, uh, if it is not exporting its a revolution, if it is not interfering with its neighbors, if it is not taking action against, directed against the United States, it is, it is therefore of no security concern to us. It is of a human rights concern. A left-wing dictatorship, on the other hand, we find that they do engage in trying to export their
6: subversion to other countries yes. and that does involve our security interests but the cia reported shortly before his death that he was no threat to democracy he wasn't planning to abolish democracy and he was going to lose in the next election based on the
5: cia's uh record of accuracy on their reports i would take all of that with a grain of thought of salt uh they didn't even predict that he was going to win in this time i also go back to the point that uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, of what we really have here in Chile. I remember months before Allende came to power in 1970, but when it was thought that he might run again, an Italian businessman uh, came to call on me in the, in the Oval Office, and uh, he said, if Allende should win the election in Chile, and then you have Castro in Cuba, what you will in effect have... In Latin America is a red sandwich, and eventually it'll all be red, and that's what we but confronted. God, but but that's madness of him to say that. I mean, how it isn't too, madness too at all. Two small countries like Cuba. It shows, it, like it Cuba, shows somebody cutting. Like a... It shows somebody cutting through the hypocritical double standard of those no, but surely, who can see all the danger but, on the but, right but, and don't I, look at the danger no, on the left. No, but
6: surely, Mr. President, there's two... You've got little Cuba and little Chile and all those enormous countries in between. It's like if it's a red sandwich, it's got two pieces of bread here and here and an enormous bit of beef in the middle. I mean, are you really saying that Brazil should feel itself surrounded by Cuba and Chile?
5: All that I can say is that as far as Brazil is concerned... Uh, as far as Argentina is concerned, the other countries in that part of the hemisphere. Uh, I have visited most of them in 1958, for example, Uh, and I can testify to the fact uh, that uh, many of their governments are potentially unstable. Uh, I can testify
6: to the fact also uh, that they do have a problem of subversion. As it turned out, whatever may have lurked in the secret heart of a Marxist working within the democratic system. Uh, he was he hadn't abolished the democratic system, he hadn't abolished the principle of elections or anything else in that. And that was abolished by Pinochet. Now, in retrospect, looking back, don't you think the Chileans who've had this tradition of democracy going back to eighteen eighteen and what, three three temporary interruptions in between, nothing interrupting it since 1932 till Pinochet. In retrospect, don't you think that the Chileans were a better judge of what would preserve their democracy than you were? Who do you think overthrew
5: Allende? You see, there's the point you've missed. Allende was overthrown eventually, not because of anything that was done from the outside, because his system didn't work in Chile. Chile decided to throw it out.